Everyone, you're in for a treat. We are in for another installment of our midweek soul care conversations. And this week we're talking about embodied spirituality. And I have two incredible gifts to our community here in the room. We have Damian Robinson and Courtney Borland. Hi guys. How you doing? Hi. I'm so excited about this. My goal today is to get out of the way and let y'all talk about stuff because you guys have a wealth of wisdom and insight. So how about we begin just by introducing yourself and sharing about how you spend your days. Um, I'm Courtney. I'm a licensed clinical social worker in private practice and I see adults for mood disorders, phase of life transitions, um, pretty much anything that, you know, the person goes through on a daily basis. Uh, my practice is there to support and uh, hold space for. I'm also a mom of three kids, so at three o'clock um, I switch roles <laughs> and become an Uber driver for them to all their activities and all the things after that. Do they li leave you good ratings and tips? No. No. <laughs> no. no tips at all? <laughs> One stars? Yeah. <laughs> hey guys, I'm Damian Robinson. Um, I am a licensed professional counselor. My wife and I, Sarah, we both attend Divine. She, uh, we have a practice in Round Rock called ATX Mental Health. Um, I usually focus on uh, trauma, substance use, and um, couples counseling. I also do some, uh, as Courtney said earlier, phase of life and mood disorders as well. Um, I don't get to Uber as much, uh, but in balancing um, marriage and, and fatherhood. Um, I am an Uber driver on Tuesdays to gymnastics for my four-year-old. Nice. Uh, and my 18-year-old likes to call me, so I'm not an Uber driver, but I am a pocketbook. Yeah. So, <laughs> so I send money out her way. So, um, yeah. So Mondays. you're like Venmo. Yeah. Well, Cash App is what Cash App. <laughs> well, I thank you guys for being here in this time. You guys both have the vocation of therapy and counseling, which I think will provide great insight for our conversation. In my lifetime, there has been great stigma within particular Christian communities around people receiving therapy, as in, why don't you just pray it away? Why don't you just trust God enough? And with that idea, there's been stigma around receiving counseling and therapy. But that seems to have shifted recently. And I'm curious for you if you've experienced that and seen that. Um, I definitely did. I, in fact, when I went to undergrad, I remember saying, I just want to help people. I'm not really sure what that means. And I couldn't find a degree that worked. And I happened to land in social work years later um, in a job and realized, oh, wait, this is how I want to help people. And as I was going through my graduate school program, I was in a small group. And I remember the women in my small group being like, oh, that's really great. But those people all need Jesus. Like, how are you going to do your job? Right? Yeah. Like, what are you getting trained for? If you, if you can't share the name of Jesus explicitly in your sessions, what's the point? Mm. And that was, I was like, oh, that's offensive, first mm. of all. But also, look at the world. Like, tons of people were benefiting from therapy. Right. And so I think that was my little foray into the stigma. I didn't really know about therapy growing up. That wasn't a thing that people in my community did right. from a small town in Texas. Mm. And that just wasn't even on my radar as a job or a resource. So with that being said, once I got into it, I kind of realized in my private practice, especially after I had done all my training, I was getting a lot of referrals from pastors, from friends, from church members, right? And the stigma has somewhat gone away in a sense. Like mm -hmm. people aren't as reluctant to right. reach out. They realize this is an important part of 
being a person, mm-hmm. you know, my personal development. Yeah. For me, I, I used to be on the business side of this uh, marketing mental health after the military and kind of what they, my very first conversation with my uh, business development director, she said, don't mention religion at all. Mm-hmm. And so that was a shocker to me, right? And so in the hospital I worked, it was, you rarely saw black people getting treatment. Mm-hmm. And so I think about growing up, I'm from a small town in Louisiana where there aren't any therapists and just so happened my sister and I are therapists, so we just funny. But I think the pandemic kind of transitioned that for black people a little bit because the transition, the pandemic made all of us anxious mm. and all of us realized how, oh my God, my kids get on my nerves or, oh my God, my husband is a lot. And so for, for black people, it, when we first started doing our private practice, I didn't have any black people come to me. It wasn't a thing. And now I'm seeing more and more. And it's executive level people. Mm. So it's, it's interesting to watch the transition of they still come in with the church trauma and the like people don't go to therapy uh, perspective. But you see them wanting to know more and, you know, lean outside of that and get rid of some of that stigma. Yeah. So, so historically, the church has often divided the body and the soul. We have focused on spiritual health and oftentimes, tragically, we've dismissed the body altogether or we've taught people to not value our bodies, not honor our bodies, or just not trust our bodies. What damage have you seen this do in people's life? I mean, I think it's the church, certainly, but also just culturally. We treat our bodies as something other, right? That we're constantly trying to evaluate and fix and make look great, but not to be grateful for or used for our good in all the ways. So it's not just with the church. I see that with the flesh, the war with the flesh yes, and the exactly. spirit, right? Exactly. And in my work, what I see, because I don't do uh, Christian counseling, it's getting people to reintegrate mm-hmm. and to learn to be in their body and that their body and their brain and their soul and their psyche, it's all one. Mm-hmm. And so this idea that somehow my body's not working for me, doesn't make sense, mm-hmm. right? It is you, right. you right. are your body. Right. Right. Yeah, I heard one person say recently, you'll have, outside of God, you'll have one relationship that will be with you from the moment you breathe in this world to the very last moment you let out your final breath, and that's your body. Mm-hmm. And your body is not only, only the only one with you your whole life, but there's no one that is a bigger fan of you. Like your body's one role is to protect you, to care for you, but many of us have been taught not to even trust our body which is just crazy. Or to be at war with our body. Yes, exactly. Right? I want my body to fit into this mold right. and it's not doing it and it's not working for me. And we become so disengaged with that that we get sick, right? Mm-hmm. Tension, trauma set in and it's stuck. And you can't really fix your mind without delving into what's going on with your body. They're yeah. interconnected, absolutely. Mm-hmm. So over the last year, I've, I've heard many people talk about The notion that the body keeps the score, I've heard that from so many different voices. What does that actually mean? And how have you seen that at work in your practice? Well, the body keeps the score. That's like (laughs) Bessel van der Kolk wrote that book. And it's sort of a requisite for every therapist to read now. And it is talking more about this integration of 
It's not just your brain experiencing the trauma, it's your entire body and it stores in your body and emotions live in your body till you release them and experientially process them out, they stay. You can probably speak way more to this because you're a trauma therapist. Right, and so it's kind of what we're, when I, I have a client who's a, who experienced severe abuse, physical abuse, and she, whenever she looks at her body, she has like such disdain for her body. And kind of what, when we're doing MDR, we're kind of reframing what her relationship with her body has been. And we talk about like your mom, like your body has done some great things. Mm -hmm. It's brought life into this world. How can I use the language that I don't trust it? Or it's let me down. I said our thoughts and our brains will confuse us, but our body never lets us down. And kind of what we talk about, I, I love this book, uh, My Grandmother's Hands. And it starts out, it feels like a novel, but it's actually a book by a social worker. And he, and he talks about how, he has this quote, he says, trauma decontextualized in a person looks like personality. Trauma decontextualized in the people looks like culture. And trauma decontextualized in the family looks like family traits. And all it takes is time for trauma to be de decontextualized. And what he's saying is that we, trauma goes into our bodies and we pass it through our DNA. And we keep doing that because we're not healing any of it. Mm -hmm. And the way we talk about it, the way we, I mean, the way we treat women in their bodies, right? The things that we say about it. We have so much shame around it instead of honoring the thing that brought all of us into this world. Mm -hmm. And so just reconnecting and giving them a, a more uh, intimate relationship with the thing that's gonna be with them, as you said earlier, Mark, always, mm -hmm. right? So kind of just really starting a relationship all over yeah. with their body. It's pretty amazing to watch. Mm -hmm. So this idea of embodied spirituality, let's just like hone in there for a second. So. The idea that the body keeps the score, your body is trying to make you aware of what's going on. Like what's, what you're feeling. So what do we do in response to that? When, when we notice things from our body, what is the hope? It's not just like it's just marked in us forever. There's nothing that we can do. It sounds like there's actually, like your body's actually prompting you to respond in particular ways for health. Right. It, like even if you think about it, I see a lot of executive level people who they are running, running, running. And then they, like I got a guy the other day, he caught COVID for the first time in three years. And we talked about, and he talks about all these things that's been happening to him lately. And I'm saying, have you noticed that your body is probably telling you to rest? Mm -hmm. And he's like, what does that mean rest, right? And so his body's been communicating with him for an extended amount of time, he just hasn't listened. So his body is going, okay, you don't want to rest, I'm going to make you rest. Mm -hmm. So now he has to sit and rest and be in his body and understand it needs healing and the importance of food and breathing and all these things that when you're constantly running, you're not thinking about it. And even the way we talk about mental health and um, anxiety, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Anxiety, I tell people, is a superpower. If it wasn't for anxiety, most of the decisions that we make, we wouldn't be able to make. Anxiety allows us to hone in on the mission, prior military, they create anxiety for us. Mm. And they want us to trust our body. They want us to trust when we're in danger, when we're not. And that anxiety helps us understand that. Mm. So for instance, if someone feels anxiety, rather than just praying the anxiety away, <laughs> what do you do? Right. Embrace it. Yeah, or you tune into it, right. actually. <laughs> like, a lot of times you think, if I tune into this sensation in my body, it's gonna make it worse, mm -hmm. right? I'll just give myself as an example. I don't like doing public speaking. This to me counts as public speaking. So I'm nervous, my heart is racing, my body is telling me, take a breath, right? Right. Sit, be calm. You're not in danger. You're here with people 
that you want to have a great conversation with and share with other people that's a good thing so it is it's me tuning in pausing going yeah my heart's racing a little right. bit that's okay right my heart racing could mean i could run away from a predator right. that's a good thing right anxiety gets such a bad rap but when it's situational and it doesn't really work that's when you need to kind of tune in and release it mm, right and, and it's important that we pay attention to that. I have a, so I see that I was doing trauma therapy with this kid and the mom comes in, he has trauma, he has ADHD and autism and it was uh, high functioning autism, but you can see as she was talking, he's moving and twerking all over the place. Mm -hmm. And so mom's energy is anxious too. So I had mom leave the room. Immediately, my energy, because for every client, I make sure I'm centered, I make sure I'm understanding my body, I'm calm. This kid calms down, he's no longer doing this, this twerking he was doing when his mom came in, and he's breathing, and he's having a conversation. You wouldn't even know that he had all the things that his mom said, because her energy was triggering all that stuff in his body, because she wasn't safe in her own. Sure. It's just beautiful right. to watch. Right. Damon, if you ever want to know what anxiety looks like, Find Courtney on a Sunday morning right before oh we God. do our meet and greet, our community question. Mark, you are calling me out. Yeah, we can cut this. We can cut this if we want to. But Courtney usually feels that anxiety and then just goes to the bathroom. I flee. So my, my instinct says I have to make small talk. And I do this for my work. I love real talk, but small talk. I'm sorry, no, I'm going to the bathroom every time. I'm out of there. That's some body spirituality right there. Oh, man. I'm listening to my body. Hey, you're trusting it. You got to do what you got to do. So what are some practices that you could recommend to help people, uh, to bring people's body uh, in alignment with their soul, to actually honor their body and, and bring it into a more holistic view of spiritual health? What are those practices that you would recommend? Um, one thing that I tell my clients, and this isn't in my private practice, I'm not speaking specifically to the spiritual aspect of this, but certainly it is spiritual, is to get outside. Like even if it's freezing or raining or whatever it is, go outside and use your five senses. Mm -hmm. What do you see? What do you taste in your mouth, right? What do you smell? What do you hear? What do you feel? What does the air feel like? If you can walk, even better. Right. And to do this without distraction, mm -hmm. to practice. And this is very hard for people, including me, to not have input coming into me all the time, like a podcast or mm -hmm. a book or whatever. Mm -hmm. Turn it all off and just take a walk and notice with your five senses what your body is doing. And in doing that, you're honoring how you're made, right? right? Your creator. Um, there's also just getting into your body specifically, doing like progressive muscle relaxation exercises where you're focusing on what each organ, mm -hmm. starting from your brain, to your eyes, to your mouth, to your lungs, to your stomach, all of the body, all the way down through the tips of your toes, is doing for you. Mm -hmm. And spiritually speaking, this could shift quite easily into a prayer of gratitude right. mm -hmm. for how my body is working for me mm -hmm. and not against me. Mm -hmm. um, what about you? I actually love what you just said because I kind of do that in practice too. Before mm -hmm. I start EMDR, doing any trauma therapy, I ask them five things you can see, four things you can touch, three things you can hear. Because you're right, the senses are, you know, help us connect. Um, kind of what I also do is, um, in working with recovery, they're big on meditation and mindfulness. And so that environment helped me learn how to accept that prayer is me talking to God and meditation is God, allowing God to talk to me. And there's this guy that I listen to, his name's Jay Shetty. Um, Jay Shetty, he can be, he has a book, Think Like a Monk. And he says on days where 
I feel like I can't focus on my breath, mm-hmm. I don't make big decisions that day. <laughs> I just allow myself to just be, mm-hmm. right? And that, I think that's the biggest thing. And whenever I, I think about it, I just remember Mark Sermon where he talks about making Jesus human, right? And understanding that he had anxiety, right? And so remember what would Jesus do, right? So if Jesus had anxiety, what would he do in this moment, mm-hmm. right? And just kind of navigating and uh, what it would be like for me. And as I'm talking about me, my client's hearing it. And so they're seeing what it would be like for them. Right. And I'll ask them, you heard what I do for myself, what would it be like in your own way of doing some of the things, using some of the tools that we're talking about? Well, and in modeling Jesus, right, he got away. Right. He went away from the group. He sought solitude and breath right. and all the things that are not disrupted by distraction. Right. Unplanned question, and I don't know. I don't know how this will go, um, so we might just take it out. So, something I haven't thought about until this moment that we might want to talk about is: what about people whose body does have just uh, physical challenges? And so, the idea of practicing gratitude for their bodies is their bodies, like, like as I said earlier, their body's sole reason right. for existence is to provide and protect and care but their bodies are actually dealing with challenges, limitations, and that kind of thing. What, how would you shape that kind, of, that kind of conversation for them? I think focusing on what is working, so from a strengths perspective, mm-hmm. right? What is working? Because not everything is fa- failing or falling apart. Right. And exercising that muscle of finding the good, being grateful for what you do have, and almost shifting your mindset of, I'm thankful for this healthy thing, you know what, I'm thankful that I am I have a heart that, mm-hmm. although it has struggles, maybe if it's heart or whatever it is, I'm here, I'm alive, I'm taking my next breath, right? And it's got me this far. Mm-hmm. So just, I think gratitude, um, ultimately that's, could sound really trite, right? Mm-hmm. If you're in it with your body in that moment, but that's something that I, I constantly send clients back to. Yes, but what is working? Mm-hmm. What do you see, you know, because then it helps overcome some of the limitation. I know being a, a veteran, disabled vet, um, and in working with veterans, part of the thing that we struggle with is accepting those limitations, right? We, were, we like putting on a uniform and having our body connected, right? And when I have veterans who lost a limb or so on and so forth, you know, one, accepting the realization I don't have that anymore. But like you said, right, what do I still have? I love that, the way you said that, that gratitude. And I'll use that word gratitude or grace, right? Something about the word grace is it sends me joy in itself. And you can see grace doesn't have religion to it, right? So with those who struggle trying to find God and what that means to them, grace can be for anything, right? And so finding gratitude or grace and I woke up this morning, it's hard not having the ability to use this thing, but I can still use this other stuff. And my body still talks to me, it still takes care of me, so on and so forth. So I like that question. Yeah, because it's not to minimize the illness or the pain right. in any way. You're not ignoring that. It's accepting that it's part of you right. and that your body is experiencing that and going through it and right. all of this other. Like it could be both. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> doesn't have to be one We're not group. great with holding things that are in opposing <laughs> right. You know, in, right next to each other. Yeah. Yeah. I had a client, I was like, you can be mad that this thing happened to your body and still love your body. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's always hard to... Like you said, get them to see both sides of that coin. Well, this has been awesome. Um, I think 
for us as a church and for just trying to be whole people, for us to have a new relationship, a renewed relationship with our body. There's so much good work that we can have there. And in many ways, not only does our body keep the score, but I think God wants to meet us in our body and through our body. So I'm just grateful to be in the same room with you two people and grateful to learn alongside you. Thank you so much. Thanks.